Welcome to In the Clubhouse, a podcast about Washington Nationals and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Richard. In this episode, I spoke with Todd Radom, a graphic designer responsible for many of the logos used by American sports teams and the Washington Nationals logo. I'm super excited to have Todd on the podcast. So let's go into the clubhouse. Thank you, Todd, for um, taking the time uh, to come in and talk to me today. Um, I appreciate all the time. Absolutely. I am happy to be with you, Richard. It's a uh, always a great time to ta- talk baseball on a cold day in January. Yeah, let's uh, let's um, let's start thinking about summer and spring training. <laughs> I want to just like start off a little bit about, you know, can you talk to me about your love for baseball and how did it develop over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I always say that I was one of these kids who, uh, like many of us, never a great athlete, played Little League. But unusually, I come from a family of artists. I'm a uh, fourth generation working artist all these years later. And I found myself concentrating on the visuals of the game as much as I did on the game itself. I'm a a child of the 70s. I grew up in the New York area. um, And, you know, I can remember going to the the first MLB game I remember attending with my parents was uh, a Pirates-Mets game, Roberto Clemente in the lineup in 1971. So uh, my love for the sport goes way back. That's awesome. I love hearing... Honestly, like I know this sounds like a corny opening question, but I love hearing people's uh, personal stories about how they fell in love with the game. It's just, it's just something that I enjoy listening to. Um, <laughs> how did you get into designing logos for sports teams? Well, it's a bit of a meandering path, but uh, but again, I'm I'm you know I'm one of these people who, uh, when I was a kid, I doodled logos and uniforms and scorecards. You know, notebooks, things like that. And um, I went to college at, at, uh, to the uh, School of Visual Arts in New York City. Um, when I graduated from college, I worked in book publishing, uh, designing book covers. And uh, this is in the late 80s, early 90s. And because of my love for sports and in particular for my love of baseball, any baseball book that came, uh, came into our department, give it to Todd. He'll have a good time with it. So I wound up designing just untold numbers of of baseball book covers at a time when there were a lot of baseball books out. And uh, at any rate, I built up a portfolio uh, in uh, 1991 or so. Major League Baseball was was, uh, 
creating their first internal creative services department. And I got wind of this uh, at a time when I was literally dropping off my portfolio at advertising agencies, you know, um, other publishers looking for freelance work. And uh, usually back in those days, again, it's a little hard to remember before the Internet, but uh, it was all about literally dropping off this portfolio, which was a box <laughs> with printed matter inside. And usually you would drop it off in the morning, pick it up in the afternoon and find a note that said, thank you very much. If we have any uh, interest in utilizing your services, we'll get back to you. Well, long story short, I dropped my portfolio off at Major League Baseball with their new uh, internal design services department. And the note that came back said, give us a call. We want to set up a meeting. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> Sports design back then was a very nascent field compared to what it is now. Again, no online presence. I would say that uh, if you could have had a uh, convention of sports designers, it would have been, you know, a handful of guys and it would have been all guys <laughs> at a bar or a coffee shop. And uh, anyway, I've been doing what I've been doing ever since. And it's been a while. That's really cool. That's really I really cool. love it. Really um, what, was the first what was the first baseball logo that you designed for a team? First logo that I designed for a team was for a Southern League minor league team, the Knoxville Smokies. They're now the Tennessee Smokies. But at that time, they were uh, transitioning from a – they were a Blue Jays affiliate, and they were transitioning from being known as the Knoxville Blue Jays into, into the Smokies. Mm -hmm. So that was my uh, – that was my 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 first foray, uh, and then my first major league, uh, not necessarily identity, but a project that that was featured on a uniform, and it was an unusual one, was for the Dodgers. It was for their tour of Asia uh, in 1992 or three, I believe it was 93, and this was worn as a sleeve patch. So kind of a gradual uh, gradual ascension into the major leagues, not unlike that of a player, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> no, this I, I love it. Um, maybe you can give us a little bit of history behind, you know, baseball logos. And, you know, do you know, like, what was the first baseball logo to be used for a team? Like, how did they kind of develop into something that, you know, now you see patches, like, you know, you mentioned sleeve patches for baseball parks, um, for, you know, obviously team logos. So, you know, I would love to, you know, pick your brain if you have any um, info on that. Well, it's funny you say that because for 30 years, I've assisted Major League Baseball with uh, researching and uh, digitally redrawing every uh, sleeve patch headwear or cap mark and piece of uniform lettering for every team uh, from 1900 forward. Oh, my God. So, oh my God. You know, yeah. So I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a designer, but I'm also a researcher and I'm a writer. I mean, I wrote, uh, I authored a book called Winning Ugly, mm -hmm. published in hardcover in 2018, out in paperback this past September. And I look at this, you know, it, with a little bit of depth. But at any rate, the, the story is this, you know, uh, our, our, our world uh, of sports logos and uniform designs, sleeve patches, commemorative marks, things like that is a relatively recent phenomenon because if you really think about it, uh, you know, the needs of, of uniforms, they weren't uniforms, replica uniforms were not sold to the public until the late 1980s, okay? And 
really prior to, uh, let's say, World War II, there was no licensing per se. It's not like you could go out and buy a, uh, a bunch of T-shirts with team logos or anything. So, you know, the identifiers for these teams were really very minimal uh, because they weren't needed in anything other than the context of being worn on the field of play by teams. Now, teams have been identified by what we would call logos today as far back as the beginnings of the game. I mean, the Cincinnati Red Stockings, the first professional baseball team, which dates back to a couple of years after the Civil War, which is pretty unbelievable when you think about mm -hmm. it. They wore an old English red letter C on their uniforms, and uh, they didn't have anything on their caps. They had no official logo, anything like that. So I guess the answer is the, the it goes way back, but the formality of all of this is a relatively recent phenomenon. Awesome. What was like the, your favorite logo that you designed of all time so far? Yeah, Richard, it's like you're asking, like, well, what of which of my my children is my favorite? Have, you know, I have an answer to that <laughs> one for me. No, just joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. Uh, it, it's a tough call, but you know, I think some are, um, let's say, more meaningful than mm -hmm. others. And mm -hmm. how do I put that? I, I say that, you know, certainly any logo that I've done, a uniform design attached to a major league club, takes on greater significance. You know, there are minor league clubs and commemorative logos that I really have a great deal of affection for. But to lead right into <laughs> what you just uh, referenced, perhaps, you know, one of them certainly was the Washington Nationals and being around for the inception of this this team that years later became a world champion. But, uh, you know, I think with so many things in life, no matter what we do, being on the ground floor, being part of something from the beginning is a very special thing. Well, well, Todd, you're definitely an amazing guest because that was a perfect segue to my next question. And being that in the clubhouse, I'd really talk about um, obviously Major League Baseball, but I'd like to focus on the Nationals because, you know, they're my home team and, you know, something that I write about. So, you know, as you mentioned, you kind of started uh, the design for, you did the design work for the logo. So can you maybe like pull back the curtain a little bit and share with us the process of like, you know, coming up with the design? And then I'm going to have to bring this up because my listeners would probably riot in front of my house. Why is it very <laughs> much like the Walgreens logo? Like, what's the deal with that? All right. So to move back to it, uh, I would point out just at the, the outset of this part of the discussion you know, the design process is actually very collaborative. Mm -hmm. So I may be rendering the work, but the input that uh, comes in from many, many stakeholders, it's always a part of the process. And, it, you know, I can't do what I do without uh, a certain amount of uh, say from outside. Uh, and that would include, you know, um, in the case of the Nationals, Major League Baseball owned the franchise. Mm -hmm. There was no owner of the team. So it's a little bit of an unusual uh, situation there. But also, you know, business partners, licensees, broadcasters had to take a look at this. And this is all, again, normal part of the process. So in the case of the Nationals, you know, listen, we can all recall for those of us who were around at the time, it was pretty clear in the, in the fall of 2004 that the Montreal Expos were going to be relocating, um, you know, to kind of think about what the options were back then, a number of possibilities were thrown around. 
But eventually, uh, the District of Columbia, of course, not suburban Virginia mm-hmm. and you know, no place like that, it, they became a D.C. team. Uh, the week of the championship series, both National and American League Championship Series, uh, I was engaged by NLB to uh, start working on this and see what we could come up with. And this is in very broad terms. And, uh, you know, the the idea of a team in the nation's capital, uh, you know, required something to me, a no-brainer, red, white, and blue. Uh, it just had to be that way. And again, being an aficionado of history, understanding the, you know, the the uh, senators shift to Texas in 1971, uh, knowing about this, knowing, you know, knowing what those dynamics were and being able to come up with something, uh, you know, fresh and different was was all part of the process. And just one other thing I would add, uh, you know, some team names lend themselves to easy imagery. If you were to come at me tomorrow, Richard, and say, I want you to do a new logo for the Baltimore Orioles, well, I would probably have an Oriole, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could go on down the line, but nationals was not an easy word to depict necessarily. So, uh, you know, it, it, was, it started out as a word mark, uh, and we built from it around there. Now, to get to the end of this very long answer, the W, the Walgreens W, this was a... <laughs> Worn by the Washington Senators uh, between, you know, I'm going to spitball on this, let's say 1963, uh, up until the time they moved to Texas after the 1971 season. Now, I would note the fact that, and again, history will bear this out, when the you know city officials of the District of Columbia uh, held a press conference to announce that they had cut a deal with Major League Baseball they had agreed on, and it was very controversial, a funding mechanism for the ballpark, which we now know as Nationals Park. Uh, the mayor, members of the city council, as I recall, they appear at a press conference wearing Washington Senators baseball caps. Cooperstown Collection, Washington Senators baseball caps, red with the curly W. So that is where this started. I love the curly W. I think it really lends well to the culture that like, you know, um, it brings now to this, to the city and also to the team, you know, like whenever they, whenever we win, it's like, put the curly W in the books and like, and you know, obviously you have that symmetry with W and win. So I love how it, I love the logo. Um, I, I just joke around with a lot of people and a lot of people joke around about that, that Walgreens being very similar. (laughs) So I, I honestly, I love it. Um, I think, you know, it was a great design. So kudos to um, whoever came, you know, uh, kudos to you for um, coming up with it. Did you also like have any other designs that you really liked that, you know, made the cutting room floor? Well, if you recall that first season, the first couple of seasons, the club wore an interlocked DC That's true. You're right, yeah. uh, as an alternate cap. And, you know, honestly, listen, you know, I, I, the, the decision to, uh, to push forth, with the curly W was way above my my pay grade, okay. Richard. I'll just put it that way. Uh, but you know, every team identity should be robust. You should have a little something for everyone that you can build a licensing program around. That you can have your broadcast graphics that will look great on the field of play, like all of it, right? So you know, with the Nationals, we kind of went out there with a pretty minimal package because of the amount of time involved. 
the Nationals were launched as, you know, the announcement that this was going to be the name of the team and the look of the team was made, if I'm remembering this correctly, you know, it was sometime in November of 2004, which is a month after, you know, after I started working on Mm -hmm. it. And Mm -hmm. just to give you an idea of what this normally uh, takes, it's usually a year and a half process, right? So necessarily the look of the Nationals was, I think, pretty, I think it's fair to say, pretty stripped down at the outset. And, you know, the, the runway to opening day 2005 was very, very short. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I feel like, you know, I'm sure rebranding a major sports franchise or branding a major sports franchise takes more than a couple of months. Um, If you were able to maybe like go back in time and like redesign one baseball team's logo, what would it be? Uh, What baseball team and what would how would you redesign it? Wow, that's a really difficult question, and I don't think I have an answer okay. because you know I, I I will always say this you know there are there are timeless marks. Uh, the Yankees mm-hmm. would be a very good example, right? The Yankees employ one color; it's navy blue. They have pinstripes. They have their interlocked NY, which I would point out is a different one on the cap than it is on the uniform. Hmm. And, you know, if if the New York Yankees were being launched as an expansion team in 2021, I don't think you would take that tack. You would you would come up with something that had more color, something that maybe was a little more reflective of the city of New York, blah, blah, blah. But uh, there are all these world championships and over a century of equity that are attached to what the Yankees look like. So I don't know that you could replace it necessarily. The flip side of that would be a team like you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks, I always say it, they have license to uh, turn things over, burn their look to the ground, start from scratch, because they began play in 1998. And they live in a place that is uh, transient to some degree. Um, You know, the dynamics are always different. So uh, I think my my easy answer to your question would be every one of these is challenge. Every one of these requires a different approach. And it all starts with research and uh, knowing what the market wants, looks like, and deserves. Yeah, I guess I thought you would be like, okay, no, here's one that I would definitely love to get. <laughs> yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that because, you know, doing that also uh, casts what a club might currently mm-hmm. have in a negative light. And, you know, we don't want negativity, of course. right? Baseball is about positivity. Hopefully. How do you go about designing like player patches or like celebration logos opposed? Is it the same process as uh, doing like a baseball, like a regular team baseball logo? Well, you know, it, it actually is quite different. Okay. And uh, the difference would be um, that a, a team, uh, a team identity you would hope would, um, would, would, you know, it's all about enduring for a pretty good amount of time, right? Um, anniversary logos, player patches, things like that are intended to last but a single season. So, you know, it's about creating something that has a long shelf life attached to it versus what I think in marketing we would call uh, a hot market, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. capitalizing on the look of the moment and, and uh, thinking about the short term. Um, when you go about like designing stuff, do you like do you start with a hand sketch and then move it to digital? Or nowadays, you know, you can do all that stuff in digital. Like, what is your process 
Yeah, I, I think it uh, depends on a couple of things. You know, ideally, I would like to sit here and noodle and I have, you know, notebooks that I'll take a ballpoint pen and, you know, sometimes dash something off or sometimes I will sketch it out on my iPad. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, more often than not, I'll just dive right into right into things in Adobe Illustrator, which is the program that we all use to create this stuff. Um, you know, if I if I have a little bit more time and if I'm looking for something that's a little bit more expressive and organic, uh, you know, the example being uh, something that depicts a player as opposed to just a number. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take pen to paper. And even if it's literally spending 30 seconds, which sometimes it is sketching it out, it's always a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, has, has technology changed um, the way that you draw and then how like the how um, others have take uh gone gone about like looking and drawing logos yeah absolutely i would say that you know because of uh, the fact that i'm here in my my mid 50s getting on late 50s maybe even in you know my career started out in in uh before computerization mm -hmm. uh in graphics so back then we were literally doing things by hand hand drawing letter forms things like that it was very mechanical cut and paste so you know um yeah i mean I, I, I'm one of these people that, that I feel like I'm fortunate because I've spanned these two worlds and my best practices, if you want to look at it that way, from uh, pre-digitization informs what I do now. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, everybody has their own processes. Ultimately, the work needs to be distributed to a large number of, uh, of individuals and organizations digitally. So, you know, you've got to think about the end of the process rather than the beginning. of it. Mm. So I looked at your retro logos on your website and I'll put a link uh, in the show in, in the show notes for this episode. And I'm just wondering, you know, have you thought about doing any um, national logos or are those all the ones that you've done? I mean, I, I guess I see the senators one um, and I see I guess some people want to say like Montreal Expos as a retro logo. Have you like noodled on some other uh, Nationals uh, retro logos? Not a whole lot to do. I mean, it's such recent history, Richard, yeah. that, that uh, you know, there's always some um, piece of authentic DNA, mm -hmm. I like to say, that I will take from, uh, you know, anything, be it the 1978 Expos, the 1869 Cincinnati Red Stockings, whatever it may be. In the case of the Nationals, you know, it's been such a consistent uh, look over the years. And I, and I think it's too recent. I really do. Um, you know, like anything involving history, we need a little bit of perspective to analyze it and maybe to uh, embrace pieces that, that we haven't thought about in a while. That's, I guess that's true. Um, did you watch any of the World Series in 2019? And like, what were your, some of your thoughts on it? Just curious. Not only did I watch, I was at games uh, three and four uh, at Nationals Park, which was, you know, just amazing for me to see. Again, having been, you know, in some very minimal way, uh, you know, there at the inception of the franchise to be there in this stadium to see the crowds. I watched every other game on television from afar, but to be there for those two games uh, with friends who are Nats fanatics, uh, was just, you know, it was just an amazing experience. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you know, you have a, a child and you see this child grow up and, uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was, like I said, I, I, I really can't put it into words. I, I have been to 
many, many, many World Series games over the years. My first, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, my first World Series game I went to was in 1977. So uh, a World Series is a World Series is a World Series. But when it's your team, in your case, it becomes something very different, of course. But uh, it was really pretty special. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I like to do something um, on the podcast called Lightning Round. Um, so these are just five questions, and um, they're really easy answers. So the first thing that comes to your mind when I, uh, uh, you know, for the for the answer for the question. So are you ready? I am ready. Okay. First question: Favorite baseball movie? Gotta be. Bull Durham. Oh, wow. You're like the second person. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite baseball team? I am a Boston Red Sox fan. And there's a long story behind it, which doesn't lend itself to a lightning round. Okay. <laughs> favorite baseball stadium? Well, I could be a really uh, you know parochial guy and say Fenway Park. And I'm going to do that. But... I will say that I have been to games at 52 different Major League Baseball stadiums. So I come by this with an informed perspective. Okay. Oh, so this next question is pretty going to be easy then. Wrigley or Fenway? Both have charms. Uh, Fenway is it for me. Uh, My first game at Wrigley was back before lights were there, back in the 80s. I want to experience a game there in its current configuration. I haven't been there in a couple of years to a game. So, Favorite current baseball player to watch? Wow. You know, i got to say Mookie Betts um, just plays with joy. Uh, we saw in this most recent World Series, you know, um, just has the whole package, and you love players with personality. You have a lot of Boston, uh, which one call it, Boston Red Sox pride for a New Yorker. I'll just tell you that. Well, that's the long part of the story, and I actually do have the story on my blog. Uh, I will offline send you uh, a link to what it is, and if you want to share it, you can. You're more than welcome to, but it'll give you a little background on it. But Yeah, and I always say I grew up just a couple of miles north of Yankee Stadium. I have never lived more than 40 miles outside of New York City. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Todd, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come on the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. Um, Can you just, like, give us, you know, listeners, uh, where can they find you on social media, about your book, um, any other stuff, any other upcoming projects that you would want to, like, share with everybody? Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, first of all, to talk. It was a great conversation. Uh, So uh, a couple of things. I've got a hockey book out right now called Fabric of the Game. I have co-written it with my buddy Chris Creamer from sportslogos.net. That is currently available on the socials. uh, Well, I'll start out with my website. It is toddradom.com, T-O-D-D-R-A-D-O-M.com. I am at Todd Radom on both Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, you know, a lot of places to get in touch and we're all connected. And uh, this I think will it's do great it for this episode of In the Clubhouse. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, review and rate this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And you can follow us on all the major social media channels at The Nats Report. 